happy Sunday, everyone. Thank you so much for being here this morning. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for those of you that are joining us online and for all of you that are sitting there at our congregation at 701 Curtis Parkway in the city of Miami Springs. It's so good to be with you this morning and it's such a privilege and an honor for me to be able to kick off August series. Can you believe we are in the month of August? I I don't know about you, but this year is going by just way too fast for my taste. But I have to say, you know, uh, it's been a good year. Praise God. We're knocking on almost December's door. So I don't even want to talk about Christmas time or anything like that. But the summer months are going by awfully fast, awfully fast, I have to say. But I'm super excited to be here with you this morning. Did we not have a great July series? Wow. On, you know, what are you thinking, version 2.0? Um, I have a feeling that at some point we're probably going to do a 3.0 version. The reason is that I don't think that we're ever going to exhaust the topic on renewing our minds, on what goes through our minds and how we need to control our thought process a lot of times and filter it through the Word of God. Can you agree with me? Can you say amen to that? So uh, maybe, there's, there may be a 3.0 sometime in the future. <laughs> so uh, don't get mad at us if we're preaching too much on the renewing our mind uh, topic but I think it's really, really important. So if you haven't gotten a chance to go back to those messages, if you missed any of them, uh, go back and take a listen to them uh, between Pastor Ricky's message, between Pastor Ricky Jr.'s message, between Pastor Hilda's message and my message, I am sure that you're going to receive something from the Lord. Amen? Amen? So anyway, let's go on with um, this uh, series this morning as we begin I wanted to give you the summary, basically, of uh, this series, and it says the following. The Bible is filled with scripture pertaining to joy. Joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. We know that through Galatians 5.22, obviously. It's mentioned second after love, signifying an important attribute in living by the Spirit. Oftentimes, joy is snuffed out by circumstances. However, it's important to realize that by choosing the joy of the Lord, it is in fact, the, it gives us in fact the strength that we need to overcome obstacles and continue in our race. So that's basically the summary or the foundation, if you will, of what we're going to be talking about this month. So the series of this month or the, the title of the series of this month is called Choosing Joy. So nudge the person next to you and tell them, choose joy. Choosing joy. <clears throat> so as we just finished, like I mentioned a minute ago, our July series on What Are You Thinking version 2.0, I believe that this very um, this new series very easily connects with last month. I believe that choosing joy is a mindset. Okay, choosing joy, choosing to be joyous in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of hardship, is a mindset. We have freedom of choice, don't we? And it's our choice to choose whether we're going to receive the joy of the Lord, act in joy despite 
of our circumstances and despite the things that we're going through. Easier said than done? True. Easier said than done. However, the Bible can tell us many, many scripture verses with regards to joy. Now, I want us to turn this morning to the book of Nehemiah. And I want us to go to chapter number 8. <clears throat> and we're going to read a little bit here this morning. You'll excuse my voice because I've had a raspy uh, throat now for a couple of a uh, few days. Um, but let's go to Nehemiah. <clears throat> and we're going to begin here in chapter number 8. And we're going to read verses 1 through 18. So if you're there, shout out Amen to me. Amen? All right. It says here, And all of the people gathered as one man at the square which was in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Verse 2, Then Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it before the square, which, is, which was in front of the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand, and all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium, <clears throat> which they made, which they had made for the, for the purpose. So basically he was standing in front of a pulpit just like this, but obviously a wooden pulpit. So as you can try to picture it in your mind. <coughs> Excuse me. And besides him stood Mattathiah, Shema. Okay, I'm going to go through these names and I don't know if I'm pronouncing all of them correctly, but I'll try my best. Um, Ananiah, or Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and uh, Maseiah on his right hand. <clears throat> so those are the men that were standing on his right hand side. And Pediah, Mishael, Malkajai, uh, Hashem, Hashbanada, um, Zechariah, and uh, Meshulam on his left hand. So he's got, he's got men on his right and on his left side. Ezra, <clears throat> verse 5, opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, 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 Amen while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse 7, Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Jebathiah, Hodiah, Masiah, Kelta, Kelita, Azariah, okay, let's jump those names, explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. They read from the book, from the law of God, translating to translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Let's go to verse nine. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor and who was the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, "This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law." Verse 10 says, Then he said to them, Go eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to the Lord. Watch this. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
for the Lord of the of the for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Verse 11, so the Levites calmed all the people saying, "Be still for the day is holy, do not be grieved." All the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions, and to celebrate a great festival because they understood the words which had been made known to them. Moving on here to verse 13, it says, Then on the second day, the heads of the fathers of the household of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra and the scribe, <clears throat> that they might gain insight into the words of the law. They found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. They proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees. It's raining outside pretty bad right now. You might be hearing the drops on uh, the raindrops on the window um, and some thundering, so uh, bear with me on that. It says, <clears throat> Go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square of the water gate and in the square of the gate of Ephraim. The entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in them. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so for the day, from the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day. So they hadn't celebrated this, and I'm going to talk about it in just a minute. From the, from the time uh, of Joshua, the son of Nun, to that day. And there was great rejoicing. I want you to listen to this part. And there was great rejoicing. He read from the book of the law of God daily from the first day to the last day. And they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. I wanted to be sure to read that entire story to you there in um, chapter number eight because it's it <clears throat> goes perfectly in, in line with what we're going to be discussing today. But I've entitled today's message, It's Time to Reclaim the Season of Joy. It's time to reclaim the season of joy. I want you to say that out loud together with me. It's time to reclaim the season of joy. Let's pray for just a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, I thank you for your word, Father, for it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I thank you for those that are listening this morning, whether it be online or whether those that are sitting in our church and our congregation this morning. I pray a blessing over every single one of them. And I ask you, O oh God, to open up our ears, our eyes, our hearts, and our minds, that we may hear what the Spirit of God is telling us today. And Lord, I thank you for using me, this vessel, to proclaim your goodness in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Many of you are aware of the story of Jer um, Nehemiah. <clears throat> In a nutshell, <clears throat> he was the cupbearer to the Persian king who ruled from Babylon. You can read the book of Nehemiah if you've never done so. You can read a little bit of history on that as well. <clears throat> but he was in fact the cupbearer to the Persian king who ruled from Babylon. And so upon uh, Nehemiah hearing that the Jews uh, attempt at rebuilding the city 
of Jerusalem was unsuccessful, he actually went and requested of the king to be released of his duties so that he could return in order to help in the rebuilding of the city. Interestingly enough, the king grants Nehemiah this request. Now, <clears throat> the reading of the Torah in the first few verses in chapter 8 that we just read actually occurred during the time of the Feast of Trumpets, also known as the head of the year, or many of you know it more um, as Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah. Now, for those students of mine that have uh, uh, studied the feasts that um, <clears throat> that is celebrated, that are celebrated, you, if you recall, there are three main fall feasts. As a matter of fact, this is kind of a good um, way of introducing that into the next few months because we're going to be entering the fall feasts soon. So this is the month of August and that's going to be coming up shortly. But the three main fall feasts are number one, Feast of Trumpets that I just mentioned right now, which is Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the year. This is the time where uh, the Jew, Jewish people, the people in Israel, actually celebrate their new year, just like we do at the beginning of the year in January, okay? Number two, it is Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, which is also known as the Day of Atonement. If you recall, the Day of Atonement is the one day that the high priest, only the high priest, the one day of the year, that he was able to enter into the Holy of Holies and atone for his sins and the sins of the people. And then number three, we have Tabernacles or Sukkot or the Feast of Booths. Okay, so those are the three main fall feasts. I repeat this um, quite a bit because I know that many that come to church new and may not um, know exactly, you know, some of the feasts that, <clears throat> that the Jews celebrate, or actually these are instituted by God, so in, actu in actuality these are God's feasts, not Jewish feasts, but God's feasts. Um, I like to repeat them so that it could be fresh in our minds. Um, so then... We notice in starting in verse 13, if you want to highlight or jot that down in your Bible, from verses 13 through 18, the end of chapter 8, the Feast of Tabernacles, as we just read, even though it may not have been so obvious, that is what is reinstated. As we, as we saw that they had not celebrated it since the time of Joshua until that day. So this feast is well celebrated. The Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, <clears throat> or Booths, I should say, too, so that you are aware of another name for it. <clears throat> Boy, it's really raining out there, isn't it? Can you all hear that? Wow. Well, <clears throat> this feast is, the Feast of Tabernacles, is celebrated even till today and you'll find that in Israel it's really very interesting you could probably google this and even during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles it might be really interesting for you to do that um, there's there's got to be um, I know for a fact in the Temple Mount in Jerusalem there's a live feed constantly and you can google that um, but there I believe that there's also live feeds in, in other parts of Jerusalem or Israel that you can probably hook on, uh, hook into and, and look at the fact that they do this. So what they do in, in Israel during this time is many of them build booths in their backyards 
um, or maybe like uh, tents, uh, if you will, in their backyards or in their balconies, and they sleep there. They sleep in their tents for the remainder of the festival, this feast. And it's, as we saw, seven, cele celebrated for seven days. Now, before I go on, <clears throat> there's a lot of significance here. And I've mentioned this many a times, and I've taught on this many a times, but there is so much richness and significance in every single one of these feasts. They all point from the from the spring feast to the fall feasts festivals, they all point to Jesus, but in some way, shape, or form, okay, and sometimes in several, Jesus has uh, in 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 the in the spring feast, for example, Jesus has already um, completed those, if you will. And now in the fall ones, it's what we're looking ahead to. So in a, in essence, there is a lot of symbolism and a lot of things that really point to our Savior <coughs> with regards to these feasts. And I love that, and I love studying it because I don't think you can ever exhaust. Uh, studying the Word of God. Amen? So these these feasts that God institutes, right, are purposeful. They're, they're not by chance. They're not, they're not um, you know, given to the Israelites for whatever, you know, happenstance. No, they're there for purpose, and they're there for reason. All right, so enough of that. So it is a joyous time of celebration, and it's a reminder... Uh, to the Israelites that they lived in booths when Yahweh, God, brought them out of Egypt. If you go to Leviticus chapter number 23, for those of you that like to take notes, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 42 and 43 say, You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel to dwell uh, of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So there you see the command to follow the Feast of Tabernacles. Now to shed a little more light on the matter, I actually have an excerpt from this book, and I've read from this before, I'm certain. Uh, because I've got it full of highlights and notes, and I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it in other messages before when I've taught on these feasts. But this is a, a book by Daniel Fuchs, and it's entitled Israel's Holy Days in Type and Prophecy. Like I said a minute ago, there's a lot of type and shadows and prophetic implications to these feasts so this is really amazing so this is a, a this depiction is so beautiful that I really don't want you to miss this so I'm gonna read you a little bit as um, as I quote here from <clears throat> the book okay it says the Feast of Tabernacles was the last of the free, three festivals when all adult men and ancient Israel thronged Jerusalem three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose at the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles. No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. And that's found in Deuteronomy 16, 16 through 17. 
Deuteronomy 16, 16 through 70. 17, I'm sorry. It says the Mishnah gives us a vivid picture of these pilgrimages from all over the land. All roads were thronged with gaily clad people keeping the holy days. Everybody carried his offering to the Lord. There were olives, dates, pomegranates, wheat, barley, and perhaps a pigeon or turtle dove. The rich brought more, the poor less. Those who could bring their offering in carts heavily laden with gifts, the poor carried their theirs in wicker baskets, <clears throat> but each brought a gift in proportion to the way the Lord blessed him. Then it says, as the pilgrims journeyed, they sang the songs of Zion, the songs. On the side of the road, a family would sing from Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Across the road, the, the response would come, where does my help come from? And altogether, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Can you kind of picture this celebration, this feast that that people would go up to Jerusalem with their gifts, no matter the, the portion of the gift that they had, according to how the Lord has blessed them. And can you imagine the throng of people coming up to Jerusalem and them singing these psalms together in unison? I, it's so beautiful. It says, others would sing, I rejoiced with those who said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing on your gates. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up to the tribes of the Lord to praise the name of the Lord according to the statue given to Israel. Psalm 122, 1 through 4. I want to read this to you because as I read it, I don't know about you, but it brings me a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, just picturing this in my mind. And I want you to do the same because it was just a joyous occasion. Uh, an absolutely joyous occasion. It says, it was Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. <clears throat> the tribes of Israel, their hearts overflowing with praise to the Lord, were going up to, the, to Jerusalem to render unto Him honor, praise, and glory. Every Sukkot service in the temple not only looked backward in history, I want you to listen to this part, it's very interesting. So not only did this uh, this celebration, this feast, looked back, uh, backward in history. It looked forward in prophecy. It looked backward in history, but it looked forward in prophecy. God had spoken to Abram from Ur of the Chaldeans and promised him, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, Genesis 12, 3. And the temple service proclaimed this truth. The services of the week were elaborated. In, in all, there were 70 bullocks that were sacrificed. According to the Talmud, there were 70 nations in the world, and a bullock was slain each year during the Feast of Tabernacles for each of them. Okay? The ancient rabbis realized a wonderful truth about the prophetic message of Sukkot. Then the survivors from all the nations who have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, <clears throat> and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. That's found in Zechariah 14.16. Now the seventh and last day of the feast is very, a very special day. It's called Hashanah Chabah. 
Hashanah Kaba, the great Hoshana. In the synagogue during the morning service after the seven <clears throat> circuits are made around the altar with the lulav, which are the palm branches, they are beaten on the floor of the synagogue or its furniture <clears throat> while the worshippers are chanting the voice announcing the coming of the Messiah is heard. This is what they would chant when that would take place. The beating of the branches is, um, is okay, so let me stop there. This, that's the, another part I wanted to uh, not talk about, but this part here, because I don't want to get into too much detail. So it says here, one of the ceremonies of the Sukkot service was the libation. Oh, this part is so beautiful. Will you stay with me while I'm listening, while I'm telling you this, listen to this. Well, I'm reading this to you. One of the ceremonies of the Sukkot service was the libation of water procession each morning. Abraham Milgram aptly describes this ceremony. And he says, the water was brought in a golden flask from the fountain of Siloam, Siloam, the water of Siloam, Siloam, and poured by the officiating Kohen, the priest, into the basin near the altar. This was the most joyous of the temple ceremonies. The Mishnah says that he who has not seen the rejoicing at the place of watering, drawing, of water drying, has never seen rejoicing in his life. Sukkah 5.1, okay? This, he says the ceremony was accompanied by a torchlight, procession, dances, singing, and chanting by the Levitical choir of the 15 pilgrim songs, the songs of ascent, Psalm 120 through 134, the accompaniment of musical instruments. It was a symbolic act performed in a court in compliance with the prophetic verse, with joy shall ye enter with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Isaiah 12, 3. I love everything about this because everything that they do, did was based around God's word. Everything that they did was exalting the Lord uh, God. Everything that they did with these celebrations was quoting the scriptures. So I love, I love it because it was such a beautiful, joyous occasion remembering what God took them out of, out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage. Amen. So this is why it was such a joyous celebration, this last feast, okay, out of the seven. This is the seventh, the last feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. I want you to keep that in mind. It goes on to say here, and I'm almost done. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Picture this scene from the life of Jesus. It was Hashanah Haba on the last and greatest day of the feast. See the crowds in the temple courts. Watch the white robed priests as they climb the steep ascent from Siloam to the temple. They are carrying a golden vase of water they just drew with joy from the well of Siloam. The water was poured into the basin near the altar. Then, as the priest stood with his empty flask, a man who had been watching cried with a loud voice, if a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. Who said that? Jesus. In John 7, 37 through 38. Isn't that beautiful? 
It says, these were strange words to say anywhere at any time. But in the temple on, on Hasha Rabbah, they were not just strange, they were audacious. The entire libation of water ceremony celebrated God's provision of life-giving water to the Israelites when they were dying of thirst in the wilderness. If a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Our Lord was claiming that the miracle in the wilderness when the rock gushed forth water pointed to himself. <laughs> oh, isn't that beautiful? That is a beautiful depiction and that and many other depictions in the word of God and what Jesus said specifically during different times, whether it be during times of feasts that were celebrated because guess what? Jesus celebrated every single one of those feasts. Did you know that Jesus was Jew? He celebrated it. Of course he did. But when he said the things that he said, they were very, very deliberate. So that's a beautiful story there. As we read in <clears throat> this book, again, Daniel Fuke, Daniel Fuchs, excuse me, Israel's Holy Day in the Type and Prophecy. So it is a beautiful revelatory insight to this amazingly joyous feast. And again, I realize that uh, the month of August doesn't introduce any of the fall feasts. However, it is a good reminder for us to begin to look ahead because September is just around the corner, is it not? The Feast of Tabernacles this year, for those of you that want to know, begin October, begins October 9th and ends on October 16th. So jot that down in your calendar. <clears throat> Looking ahead with joy in our hearts is what gets us through each day. Looking ahead with joy, looking ahead with rejoicing in our hearts is what gets us through each day. And looking forward to a coming day when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will tabernacle with us is a good cause to be joyous. Wouldn't you agree? And that's something that we must keep at the forefront of our minds. Jesus is, in fact, listen to me closely. Jesus is, in fact, coming again. And this time, he will establish his kingdom here on earth. And he will rule and reign forevermore. Hallelujah. So to glean even more insight to these passages, I want to read you very quickly a, pa a, a part here from... Perry Stone's Hebraic Study Bible, um, the following pertaining to the verses in verses 14 through 18 that we just read. And it says here, very interesting, and I believe we can gain a lot of insight here. Four branches representing four types of life issues. Four branches representing four types of life issues. Now remember, this is pertaining to the scripture we just read from verses 14 through 18 of chapter 8 in the book of Nehemiah. It says the feast described here was the Feast of Tabernacles. We know that now, right? Which Moses called the Feast of Ingathering. You can see that in Exodus 23:16. Jewish rabbis assert that four types of tree branches were used to build booths in which the people were to live during the seven days of this yearly feast. Each branch is a picture 
of our spiritual walk with God. These four branches are identified by rabbis interpreting the Hebrew words used in Exodus 23.16 and based on Jewish tradition. The first branch came from the willows of the brook. The willow represents weeping and sorrow. In Babylon, the Jews sat down by the rivers of Babylon, hanging their harps upon the willows, weeping, refusing to sing the song of Zion. And you can find that in Psalm 137, 1 through 3. The second branch, <clears throat> the second branches came from the palm or date trees, a tree associated with victory and rejoicing. Multitudes of people waved palm branches when Christ rode the donkey into Jerusalem prior to his crucifixion. The third branches were from citrus trees. They had somewhat acidic fruit, which represents the season, seasons of bitterness we encounter. The fourth branches were from the myrtle tree, which symbolizes warfare. Note that Zechariah 1, 18, 8 through 11 recounts Zechariah's prophetic vision in which he saw four horses of different colors and a man standing amongst the myrtle trees. These four branches represent a sum up, uh, represent and sum up four prominent issues of life. Times of sorrow, victory, bitterness, and warfare. For the first time since the days of Joshua, the children of Israel were now celebrating tabernacles, a feast representing the seasons of joy. Wow. That's insightful, isn't it? That is, to me, and when I read that and studied it, it's an interesting depiction of the four branches representing four types of life issues, is it not? It's, under, it's understood that we go through times of sorrow. We go through times of weeping. We go through times of bitterness, and yes, warfare, and yes, victories, and rejoicing. But no matter where life has you now, you can reclaim the season of joy. You may say, Pastor, how can I be joyous in a time of suffering? And my answer to you is quite simple. It's your choice. It's our choice. It's our prerogative to choose or not choose joy and to be joyous, even in the midst of hardship. One has to actively choose joy. That's why I say it like said like I said in the minute um, a minute ago at the beginning of this message that it is a mindset. I don't believe it's something that we can attain in our own strength or ability. The Bible makes it clear that the joy of the Lord is our strength. What that tells me is that it's his joy that we draw strength from. And that joy is given from him alone. Not anybody else. And not any other person's promises, but only his. But we have to choose to receive it. To receive the joy of the Lord. It's that strength that derives from an intimate relationship with Jesus. Because if you don't have that covenant, intimate relationship with the Master, with the Savior, then you will lack in receiving that joy. It'll be but a fleeting moment. The Psalms is filled 
with verses on joy. For example, Psalm 32, 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 51, 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Nehemiah 12, 43 says, And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. You see, the Jews had experienced a great deal of pain and sorrow. Seventy years of captivity combined with years of difficulty in rebuilding the city. It, it was no, no joke. That's a lot of suffering. Yet here they were offering sacrifices to the Lord. They were rejoicing. They were singing. And their joy was so evident that many heard them from far, far away. I read a recent post by Dr. Jesse Duplantis that said, Joy is a powerful way to crush negativity. And that's why you do all you can to not let what the devil or anybody else says get in your heart and ruin things. Breakthroughs can happen just by choosing joy. Because the Bible tells us that desires of the heart follow delighting in the Lord. Breakthroughs happen just by choosing joy. Wow, I believe that to be so. When we choose joy, despite the pain, despite tribulation and hardship that we've had in the past or whatever life brings, one can truly say like the psalmist said in Psalms 30, 11, 12, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praises and not be silent. O oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Now, I may not know what you're going through or the pain and suffering that you experience. Maybe right now, the disappointments, the discouragement, or maybe what will come in the days to come. What I do know is that choosing joy is a decision of our own. And it's time, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to reclaim the season of your joy. Choose the joy of the Lord in times of hardship. Choose the joy of the Lord in times of sorrow. Choose the joy of the Lord in times of desperation and broken hearts. How many of us have not gone through stuff like that? How many of us have not gone through disappointments? Family members can even disappoint us. Those that we love and we hold to our hearts, the dearest sometimes can hurt us and disappoint us. But if we choose the joy of the Lord, it'll give us the strength that we need to survive in times of trouble. Remember what he has done in the past. As the Feast of Tabernacles looks to the past when God delivered them from bondage, so we must look at what God has brought us through. Has not God brought us through so much? So much. If we had a checklist of the things that he's brought us through, you can check it off. Say, God has brought me through that. And I remember this year when he brought me out of that. And I remember this time of heartache and pain, and he brought me out of that. Remember those things.
as this feast is a reminder of what God did, that he took them out of Egypt, out of this place of slavery and bondage, and brought them through, even in times of wilderness and drought, he brought them through. But also then look ahead, as this feast also looks ahead, and realize that his love and his promises never expire, hallelujah. He will see you through it. Reclaim the season of joy. Choose the joy of the Lord no matter what issues of life come your way. If you're sad today, if your countenance is low, if you may even feel depressed, I tell you this morning, choose joy. Get into his word. Ask him to give you the strength that you need in order for you to go through the difficulty that you're going through this day. Open your mouth and praise him and worship him. And he's going to see you through each and every moment. I guarantee you that your spirit will be lifted. Your countenance will be lifted. Sing to him. Amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I recently read... <clears throat> an article on a Wednesday night live stream. You all may remember, for those of you that tune in on Wednesdays, I quoted uh, Dr. Laura Sanger, and uh, I mentioned that to keep her, keep her name uh, in the back of your mind because I have an upcoming interview with her, and I'm very, very excited about it. So don't forget her name, Dr. Laura Sanger. But she said <clears throat> in this article, in this uh, portion of the article, I discovered a secret when you can count your blessings, the emptiness of life dissipates. Before long, you find a life filled with abundant joy. Joy is not circumstantial. It is the wellspring of life. Joy is knowing that the goodness of God holds you close, even in the midst of the storm. Joy is seeing deeply. It's the art of looking beyond your circumstances to gaze upon the beauty of life itself, end quote. Isn't that beautiful? That's what choosing joy does. So I want to leave you this morning with Psalm 30, verse 4 and 5, and it says, it says <clears throat> I sing praises, sing praises to the Lord, all you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I challenge you that whatever it is that you're going through right now, open up the word. Google where to find joy scriptures. And read them out loud. As a matter of fact, make them personal. For example, this verse that we just read. I sing praises to the Lord. And then it says, Oh, you his saints, I am your saint. Oh, Lord my God. I give thanks to your holy name. For I know, Lord, that your anger is but for a moment. And your favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night. Whatever it is that I'm going through may tarry for the night. But joy, Lord, your joy comes with the morning. Hallelujah. I guarantee you that no matter what you go through, no matter what you face, 
in the coming days, weeks, months, years, whatever it is, that you choose joy, that you reclaim that season of joy in your life. Remember what he has done for you. Now, I don't know what you've been going through, but I do know that if you can reclaim the seasons of your joy, it's going to change your world. As a matter of fact, your circumstances will remain the same, but you're going to change. You're going to change. And before you know it, things are going to look better. I guarantee that. Why? Because it's God's promises to us. His joy is our strength. Hallelujah. It's a choice. Which will you make? Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these that are here this morning. I thank you, Lord, that they have been having an attentive ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I don't know what they're going through, God, but you do. You know every single person that is hearing this message today, every single person standing in our congregation today. You know them all. You know their hearts. You know their struggles. You know their pain. You know their sorrow. You know how hurt they've been. No matter what, Lord, you know it. You know the hairs on, your, on their head. You know the tears that they have shed. You know it all, Father. You are all-knowing, Father. So this morning I ask you, O oh God, to bring to remembrance to them the seasons of their joy. And give them that joy that is our strength, that is our hope, that is what we have to look forward to, O oh God. Overwhelm them, Holy Spirit, with your peace and your love as they're going through the difficulties that they're going through today and maybe in the future. Maybe what they've gone in the past and they just haven't gotten over it just yet. It's been hard, God, and you know it. Overwhelm them with your peace. Overwhelm them with your joy, O oh Lord. I pray over these in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you, for those of you that are standing, <clears throat> if you're going through something very difficult at the moment, we would love to pray for you. I'd love for our ministers to come, lay hands on you. If you're going through any kind of pain or sickness or hurt, or there's just something that you just can't shake, will you come up to the altars? Right now these altars are open and our ministers are gonna come up and they're gonna pray for you. But don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. There's power in unity. There's power in prayer. There's power when two or more gather together because God is there. Jesus is there in the midst. So will you come? And as you're coming up, I'm going to just close off this message. I'm going to ask those of you as well that are there and those of you that are listening online, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do not know the day that you close your eyes on this earth for eternity and you don't know where you're gonna spend eternity and you say to me today Pastor Yvette I don't know but I want to know I want to know that I'm gonna be in heaven with my family members with my loved ones and with Jesus and if you want to accept him today will you just repeat this prayer and just say Father God I ask your son Jesus to come into my heart to come into my life and be my Savior be my friend I ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I'm going to believe your word when you say that you cleanse me of all unrighteousness when I come to you and I ask you genuinely to forgive me 
of my sins. I thank you for doing that. Now I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me to follow God every day of my life. And I will do so in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you come up to this altar and would you just tell one of our ministers so that they could just rejoice with you and pray with you and come in agreement with you in anything that you need prayer for. I want to thank you for joining me today and I want to thank every single one of you that have joined online as well. Would you share this message with someone? I guarantee you that someone needs to hear this message. Choose joy. Hallelujah. God bless you and we'll see you again next weekend. We'll be there. Take care. God bless you.